Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 192. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, at Night Sports Now, and at Pegasus Podcast. I've been doing that intro with the new Twitter for a while now, and that's the first time I'm like, that's a lot of that's a lot of Twitters to ask people to be following, but I don't it care. It is a lot. Follow them all. It's worth it. I bet I I I'm 100 percent certain it's worth it. You'll follow find it worth follow. It. Yes, you will find it worth it to follow the Night Sports Now Twitter account, which I really don't use anymore since we have the Pegasus Podcast Twitter account, <laughs> and it's just for when I write an article. But we do appreciate the follows because we're almost a thousand yeah. followers. So it, that that would be cool yeah. if you guys want to follow it. Whenever I um, write something for it, it's impactful, it's meaningful, and it it either makes people happy or really angry. So I, I think it is worth it for those updates. That's the thing is it's funny about like the content from Night Sports now. I don't know if I've written anything in maybe over well over a year, maybe. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but it's just like when it's one of those things where it's like it's not something there's not content unless there's something important to be said. Like that's every time yeah. every time a new a new article drops, it's like it's something important. It's not just like a basic like, oh, this happened. So well, it's we tough are. because Night Sports Now has definitely suffered in the three years since the podcast started because now a lot of things that, like, this has just become our main medium for when we want to talk about things. So now often yeah. when there was something I'd think of and it would be an article on KSN, now instead it's a podcast topic. So, yeah, but, but still. follow them all. Follow them all. How are you, Christian? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Doing well. I am uh, wearing a hat for the first time in a <laughs> video podcast history. So it's wearing an exciting a day for everybody. I just man. I decided it was time to decide it was time to break in the hats and it's definitely not because I'm two weeks past a haircut and things are out of control. So well that's the the funniest part about this is like I get on and you were gonna make the comment and I made it first was that like this is like the one week I'm not wearing a hat and it's because I got a haircut on Saturday and it's like really easy to now get my hair in order and just throw some water on Your it. Your hair's looking very good and... right now. Was there like a special <laughs> occasion or something? No, I just hadn't had a haircut in like two oh, okay. months. Because your beard's so. very nicely. Like I don't know, you just you're very put together. Yeah. Right now. Not that you're no, usually I... not. Like you're always looking good. <laughs> no, I'm usually just... not. I'm okay. I'm usually not. When I put a hat on, it's like my sideburns are all out of whack, and that's that's when I really know it's time to get a haircut. Is like when my I'm I see my sideburns like starting to come out. On, yeah, and I'm that like, all right, yeah, it's, time. it's happening it's right time now. I feel um, like the way I look right now is I look like someone pretending to be a UCF student. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't like, <laughs> I just never wear hats. So I just feel really like I'm seeing myself in the video and I'm like, this does not look like me. This just looks weird. But we're, we're going to power through. <laughs> we're now, we're driving people to the video version of the podcast with this conversation because now if a we reference. a single person who's listening to the audio version stops and switches to the YouTube version to see me in a hat, that's alarm Sicko. bells for me. Like that, Sicko. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe they want to see my hair looking. What did you call? I don't. You said I look very put together or something like that. <laughs> I said something That's... really sounded way more demeaning than I meant it. Like you're looking very put together. No, you look very nice. Yeah. It's just very. You. You're looking good. You look like I don't know. You just look like something's happening, like a wedding. Or I, something. I don't know. I do have to point out too. I've got a new background or a new element of my background where I have these two helmets here on the wall. I I'm love them. Looking for UCF helmets that I need to soon purchase. I almost bought one the other day, but then it would have been like nine dollars for shipping, and I just didn't. I couldn't bring myself to pay like forty five dollars to get a mini helmet, a UCF mini helmet, delivered to me by today. So I liked how you texted me a photo of it, and you were like, "Is this the new gold?" Well, because I don't want to get the I don't want to get the fake gold. I don't know and if the, I don't know how serious the mini helmet company is taking that. I don't know if it's an actual perfectly shade because I have a pewter mini helmet. It's right there. I could mm. grab it if my arm was twice as long as it is. And it's like not the right, it's not the actual pewter that UCF uses. It's just like my, shiny silver. My dumb thought was like, 
throw me the theater helmet through the computer so that I can <laughs> put it on my wall. Also, we're going to be doing a recruit draft today and we have to yeah, flip the coin to see who goes first. I just dropped the coin. So um, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get it now without it being a really weird process, but I don't, I don't have let, a coin. This is no, all I, I can you. get it. I can get it. But do you want to let everybody know um, what our past recruit drafts have yep. been like, because I don't want to talk about mine. So if you are new this season, each off season, Bailey and I do a recruit draft, which is where we just like we're drafting players. We draft players from UCF's most recent recruiting class. And it is in a three-year bet. We will draft these guys. And then three years later, we will compare them. And whoever had the better class as voted on by you guys, we put it on Twitter and you guys vote. Um, that person owes the other person some sort of meal. The first year we bet a steak dinner. The second year we bet Aussie grill. So I'm going to read you. This is year three. We haven't actually cashed in these bets yet. Cause like I said, it's a three-year bet. We also do our transfer drafts, which we'll have that later. And those are, um, I posted the one for this year earlier today on Twitter and I'm getting my ass kicked because I drafted a bunch of guys who don't play. So I'm going to go ahead and give you our recruit drafts from past years. In 2022, Bailey took Tommy Castellanos, Jordan McDonald, and Nakai Martinez, um, which you have Nakai, who might end up being the best player from that class. So you've got that going for you. It doesn't help. I don't, think, I don't think it's enough to offset both of my other ones being gone. But And I took Xavier Townsend, Damari Henderson, and Quan Lee. So half of our six picks are on other teams now, but uh, Kwan yeah. Lee had a lot of hype. I'm I'm defending. That no, one. I was. At the time, I was that gonna, sense. I chose not to pick him because I was afraid he was a transfer risk, and it turns out I was correct. I think you even acknowledged at the time, like this is a risky pick, but if he pans out, it's great. I have to say these look worse in hindsight, but if you listen to the episodes, every weird pick we had a good, like we knew we weren't that dumb. We had That's a good explanation for why it was Ugh. weird. That's why I hate doing these, honestly. Bailey <laughs> hates this episode, it. and it's like I my favorite thing we do. this episode every year, because then, I, we're, we're doing this based off of nothing, but go ahead with 2023. Okay, so last year, um, I, or excuse me, I listened this morning, I listened to last year's episode because I was trying to remember what we bet, because I knew we'd bet Rem- something different from the minister. Trying player. to remember why I ended up with this class that I ended up with is really the... <laughs> and, the uh, and while I was listening to that episode from last year, Bailey said on the episode that we're setting ourselves up for failure by doing this. And then Bailey texted me today and goes, I just feel like we're setting ourselves up for failure. So I let Bailey know he's had zero character development in the last year. But then last year, Bailey took Isaiah Nixon, Andrew Harris, Andrew Rumpf, and Troy Ford, four <laughs> guys we did not see last year. And I took John Walker, Caven Call, Braden Marshall, and Randy Pittman. So one year I, in, I, I got lucky. Really bad for me. I'm not a well, good. I, I just got very lucky with some of these. Yeah, well, I look. I look back or looking back on it, I think you got the first pick, so you got John Walker, obviously, and then at the time I thought like, and I think it still could work out. It's only been a year, and some like, just because they don't play as a true freshman doesn't mean they're busts. But we'll see. But at the time, it was like, okay, yeah, I'll take two you know, high potential guys and Nixon and Harris. My real mistake was when it came back around, not taking Randy Pittman, because I feel like I was high on Randy Pittman for like a while. I don't know why I didn't pick him. Yeah. That was I, don't, my real I don't know. He was, the, he was the very last pick of the draft. So Which I don't know what's going on there, but your draft isn't as bad as it looks at face value because Isaiah Nixon and Andrew Harris were both on special teams, I believe. So they, they've absolutely got a shot to get out there this year. Isaiah Nixon, we just don't know much about him, but like DE is still kind of thin. So I, he could, yeah. he could make an impact. Linebackers, they always need linebackers. And Troy Ford, I think that was more of an injury thing this year than a talent thing. So your draft isn't as, it looks bad right now. Things are dicey. I think you're yeah. in the dark forest part of your story, but I think that things can work out down the road. So I wouldn't freak out about it too much. This is going to sound weird, but has anyone seen Isaiah Nixon recently? Like, I, what does that when mean? we saw him, so we went to that recruiting, not recruiting event, we went to that oh, NIL yeah. event. 
And when we saw him, that was like he had just signed, I think maybe, but or committed a couple weeks prior. And he just looked gigantic. Like he looked big. And I'm thinking like a year in the program, like what does he look like now? Like, I, I think that's probably a big, like will be hopefully be a big thing for him was he's been in the, he's been in the program for a year now and has been on a weight program has been on all that stuff. And I'm just imagining him being like a monster now. So I, I was when we wa- when we saw him in that room, I was shocked. Like I, like we both were just like that is a he very by and I was very like, large human being. Yeah, <laughs> just looking straight <laughs> at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So my my drafts are not looking good. Going back to the previous one, which I think like we didn't talk about a lot. Like that Tommy pick at the time felt so good. Like it was like oh I got Tommy, and then yeah he's doing real well at Boston College. Well, you know what else has changed it is that from when we did that draft, we did that draft draft in December of 2021. The portal just wasn't quite what it is now. Like I would not have guessed at that point in time that two years later, half of those guys would not be on UCF's roster. Like things have just football's changed since since we did yeah. that draft. But yeah, I mean, you've got. I mean, isn't it weird that two of your three draft picks are now Boston College players? That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you ever have guessed? Like I, I just how do you no. even explain that? To even if you had told me that. You know, two of mine transferred. I wouldn't have been like, yeah, they both transferred to Boston College. So weird. I forgot that McDonald transferred to Boston College. Yeah, yeah, That's strange UCF pipeline. You have your 2022 recruit draft is more Boston College players than UCF players. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. So saying saying all that to set up this year's, which I still feel awful about. Like this is a really talented group, a talented class, the Best most in UCF you know, most, yeah, most highly rated in UCS history. And I'm still looking at this, like, I have no idea how this is going to pan out. I don't feel <laughs> confident about maybe even three of my picks, even though we haven't gotten to them yet. Like I'm, I don't know. I think for me, it hinges a lot on number one, even though I don't know if we're going to have the same number one pick, but we'll see. To um, me, there was a clear number one. And then I had no idea what to do after that. So we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Um, should I flip the coin? You should. Do you want to call it? Yes. My landing, am I letting it land or am I catching it? And then you, flipping you do whatever it? you think is best. All right. Hopefully this goes okay. Call okay. in the air. Wait, okay. don't call in the air. Just call it now. It heads. It's heads. I don't know. If it, it, for audio listeners, flip. I don't know what Bailey did. He just kind of like, it, he looked like he was flicking a bug off of his hand. Like he kind of just I like... honestly, so I flipped it, but I didn't, I probably should have just caught it. I didn't want it to like fly off my desk or anything. So I just kind of didn't really do a good flip. But congratulations, you have the first pick, which means I get, we did, we did a snake draft, right? Like, so I get two and three. Is that how we did that or no? no. <laughs> I thought we did that. That's how we did that last year. We not? did not. We did not. We just alternated. Oh. Okay. Then I really don't know how to explain my draft last year. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, with my first pick, I am selecting who I felt was the only, only player in this draft class that I feel completely confident and there's no way they're a bust. And that's Kylan Fox, UCF's new tight end. Okay. That's not who I was going to pick. That's great for that means we're both going to be happy so that that's great news for us and that means one of us is going to be very wrong in a few years why did i just Um, i just put two check marks on my list next to kylan fox like as if i got him that made no sense (laughs) um i'll just mark next to who i got but you want to talk about kylan fox a little bit because i would have yeah i mean that's that's a good pick so he's i believe he's the top rated player in their class number or one no jalen hayward still was but he's one of the top rated players in their class four star tight end number 299 overall um if you listen to this podcast last year you know that my guiding philosophy was i'm not even really looking at the stars i'm looking at which other teams were interested and kylan fox had a lot of high level interest we all know the story about how fsu was on him for a long time and part of the reason ucf was able to prime away was fsu also had the number one tight end in the country committed and they were selling kylan really hard on two tight end sets but you still have to be a little crazy to commit to a school that also has the number one player in the country your position so 
And then I don't know if anyone or everyone listening remembers, but Mississippi State came in late after they hired Jeff Lebby and tried very hard to get him on campus. There were reports that he was going in for a visit and then he uh, high level reports from 247 and he then never went and said that he, he actually ended up in Orlando the weekend he was supposed to be in Mississippi <laughs> State. So all that to be said, it's a couple things here. It's one, lots of guys want or lots of other schools wanted him. He was he's clearly a player that was sought after. And two, that room is just thin as hell and when i'm looking at guys who yeah. i think can get out there right away it, it kylan has to be top of that list I, I mean he's got randy Pittman, who is still young and then that's pretty much it they brought in evan morris from michigan state who we barely talked about we might need to talk about him a little bit more because the more i think about it they have like no blocking tight end options on the roster so he may be a guy <laughs> who's out there by default but kylan just feels like a guy who's going to get out there this year yeah no i think so and i think if you had taken my first pick i would have taken kylan fox next i'm pretty sure um I'm excited about him, and I think the dog just there's there's a dog that lives. I was there's a dog that lives above me only by itself, but no, there's uh, the the person above me has a dog, and it is like running around upstairs. So that confused me. Um, <laughs> this is really throwing me off. Um, but yeah, no, I I think Kylan Fox is more. I think Kylan Fox will probably see the field maybe even more so than Randy Pittman did this past year, and Pittman saw the field quite a lot. So we'll see what that production looks like. But I think as far as a a three-year bet too like you'll see him get on the field in year one and i think he'll only get better from there so yeah i mean uh, plus we know we talked about a little bit how you know how ucf does or doesn't use tight ends i think what gus has been craving the whole time he's been here is is two pass catching tight ends that he can do crazy stuff with in these two tight end sets and this is gonna be the first year they've even sort of had that even if they're both young guys so i'm excited yeah um all right i will go with my next or my my first pick who was I was going to take him first overall anyway, and this is purely based off of. Well, we'll get there. I'm taking Walt Claire Flynn. Yeah, um, okay. It is uh, we've talked about this in past drafts, especially with um, the the transfer draft last year. Like it's kind of hard to gauge. With obviously they don't have counting stats, we're not going to be able to do that by the end of this whole thing. But my one of my big things based off of two years ago that draft was losing players to the portal. And we've talked on this podcast about how it seems like offensive linemen don't necessarily hit the portal as frequently as other positions do. Mm -hmm. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Walt Claire Flynn is the highest rated offensive lineman recruit in UCF history. Is that? Yep, that is accurate. Okay. I forget this kind of stuff and should have written it down. But um, no, so I, I feel like based on that, based on the fact that I mean, I don't know that he'll play right away. I, he could mix in. I'm not really sure what that offensive line looks like as a whole right now um, on paper before we get to spring. But he's a guy that I think will will pretty much you know get in there. And then once he's once he's in there, he probably will not you know give up his spot. I think he as, assuming that he stays, and that's the kind of thing that I'm banking on here with him being an offensive lineman is that he will be a multi year contributor and one of the best offensive linemen on the on the line. So. It's my top pick. Yeah. I mean, following a year where UCF found a way to play like 14 different O-linemen, probably not a bad choice to pick an O-lineman. I, I can't I mean, do so that again though, right? Watch them. I, I, so UCF, I believe, views them as a center. And they've got Caden Kittler, obviously, and then they have Jabari Brooks. Jabari Brooks is probably the favorite right now to be named center this year, but he's he's a rental. He's I believe this is his last year of eligibility. And I don't know, Walt Claire versus Kittler. I'm probably rolling with Walt Claire. And, and I think that's a good pick for you and why I was probably going to take him second is because it's just the way Herb Hand has utilized that room. It's not like 
if he loses the job to Kittler in 2025, let's say, it's not like, well, then we're just never going to see him. They'll they'll find another spot for him and he'll play. I, they're always going to put the five best guys out there. And yeah. he had a lot of interest. Texas A&M was a school who wanted him. And I, I just, there's no way that he's not, well, I'm not going to say no way because you just never know, but it feels unlikely that he's not going to find some sort of spot on this offensive line in the coming years. Yeah. And that's why too, I didn't, and a lot of this was, it kind of is the opposite of the way we entered this, you know, this practice that we do every year now. Um, it's the opposite take that we have where it was like, all right, we've got to get guys that are going to be able to like, we're going to be able to measure their impact mm-hmm. for me. Now it's like, I feel like there's offensive line, defensive line. Those are some of the guys that are, I want to say like easier to track, but like, I don't know, just easier to count on. Cause yeah. I, I, I could have picked a wide receiver number one or could have picked a, a safety or whoever that never saw the field. Like that's what I was worried about. And so I went with a guy who I think assuming, you know, there's nothing like no weird coaching changes or anything happens like that a guy that I think will, you know, plug in play and be here for years to come and probably be playing at a really high level the whole time he's here. So, yeah, absolutely. I I second all of that. Like I said, he was very likely to be my number two pick if you had not taken him, which is why I'm sad that you did. So thank you. That makes me feel good. (laughs) All right. And the the other thing about my draft this year and what I'm hoping to do is get to the point where even if it doesn't go well for me, look back on it and be able to justify all of my picks better than I probably could last year. I You're like, I'm to... not trying to win anymore. I just don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> you remember in Money in Moneyball, in. a movie Moneyball, where he's like, he needs to put a, a team on the field that he can explain in job interviews next year. Like, I need to put a draft together that I can explain without losing all of my credibility. So. Yeah, and I'm going to say what Billy said later in the movie. It's a problem that you think we need to explain <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. All right, right. you are up with your next pick. I am going to do exactly what you're supposed to do with a number two pick and take a complete flyer. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I am taking Bradell Richardson. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. You just, by by doing that, you just threw my entire draft out of whack. I have no idea what to do now. So Bradell Richardson, wide receiver, uh, four-star, number number 364 overall. He was the number 58 wide receiver in the class. I'm I'm taking him for a couple reasons. One, because I believe in the universe and I believe that at some point UCF's going to get a wide receiver out of high school that plays because that hasn't happened in basically five years now. So I'm buying it on him. I also am way over reading into a single comment from a press conference where Gus, when talking about the class, specifically called him out as someone they expect to play right away. He was the only player who got that comment. So I'm just, they haven't even seen him yet. Like they haven't done spring ball, but I'm just rolling with that. Um, he also even breaks my, uh other other high rated schools really wanted him rule because it it seemed like he had some interest and it kind of cooled over time it looked like LSU was really interested in him and I was reading that over this past summer they kind of pulled back a little bit and but he's still a very highly rated player and I just I believe in the universe and I believe that there's no (laughs) way they're once again going to have a class where we never ever see a wide receiver and on top of that there is a clear hole at wide receiver for UCF right now you've got Kobe Hudson you've got Xavier Townsend who Townsend's not even like we're certain he's a perfect number two option and there is a drop off. So I just, I feel like it's possible Burdell might be able to make some kind of impact this year. Yeah. The two things there, it's funny, the whole, you believe in the universe thing, because my whole draft last year, I think I just said I was going off of vibes. Yep. So it's like a very similar strategy that I took last year. And the other thing that made me laugh is how much I love our podcast that we always constantly tell people don't listen to press conferences and take them for like, and to mean anything. And you're like, I'm going to read way into one comment that Gus <laughs> made about a player we haven't seen yet. Um, but I will also defend this pick at the same time, because I was looking at both the wide receivers, because again, there is that big hole and there's, there's Purdell Richardson and Case and Stokes. Um, I, and this might not mean anything either, but I was looking at their high school production 
And Brindell Richardson had way more than Jason Stokes. Like last year, he caught 68 passes for 1,248 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, and then I looked, I don't have him right in front of me before I can you know hurry up and do this, but case and Stokes did not like he had, <laughs> let's see, now I have it. He had 15, pa- he caught 15 passes for 237 yards and three touchdowns. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's because I don't know if there's an injury there or something, but, um, yeah, there's just a big difference. So I, in my rankings, I had Bridell ahead of Case and Stokes. I just didn't have Bridell as a potential number two pick. So now I'm scared. And because I now told I feel you, like, yeah, go ahead. I told you this earlier. I, I also was very surprised because 247, the composite, which the 247 composite, if you don't follow recruiting very closely, is absolutely the only measurement to look at. It's a composite score that weighs all of the recruiting service rankings. So it's 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 the gold standard. Everyone who's serious in the industry uses that. And that's what they talk about from the athletic DSPN. They update that continuously until signing day. And I was very surprised to see Bridell climbed all the way. He's the third highest rated player in this class for UCF. Does that mean anything? Yeah. Probably not. But I was just sort of caught off guard when I noticed that today. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, when you said when you said that, it surprised me. And I was like, oh, maybe he's interested in drafting Bridell. I just did not know you were going to do I didn't know you were going to take him number two. And I also didn't know you were going to brand your number two pick as a flyer, um, which <laughs> We'll it kind of is. I, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just, I'm really emphasizing first year production. I, I don't know. I'm just, that's, I feel like that's the rest. Well, of it's probably, it's probably smart because if they, at least if they have first year production, that's, they get something right off the bat before because they transfer. now with my, yeah, with my guys that haven't done anything at all. Now I really need them to get production in year two or else if they don't, they're transferring without any production at all. Yeah. So it's a scary, it's a scary moment there. Um, all right, I didn't think this was going to happen. Um, <laughs> my number two pick is going to be Jalen Hayward. Um, okay, I feel like, and I'm I was I'm more worried about not worried about him. Like in, in terms of this draft, I'm more worried about this than I thought I would have been going into this. Um, but kind of going off of your your criteria, he was a Georgia commit who decommitted from Georgia. I don't know if was there actually anything there? Was it was it not a committable offer? Or was that just what they said when he decommitted? I, I know they went after another safety or something, but I, I there's always that talk. No, so let me clarify what I'm about to say. With I'm not sure okay. if this is true, but what it sounded like. Take this with a big grain of salt because I don't know. And this wasn't from like you know someone I'm super like hell yeah they know everything, but that it was essentially kind of a thing where it was like he wasn't as much like he he had a committable offer and he was committed, but he was becoming less of a priority for them over time mm, than okay. he maybe was earlier in the process. So. I still don't. I mean, the fact that he was a priority for Georgia at all, I think, gives him a little bit of credibility in this. And I also think, as just one of the highest rated players in the class, I feel like, you know, this is one that has a high chance of working out. The only thing that I'm more concerned about it, because I thought about this earlier, was that there are a lot of really good players in the secondary, a lot of young, good young players in secondary. So there is a chance that if things don't work out right away, he gets lost in the shuffle. And we just, it's one of those like what ifs. There's that case, but I guess with a lot of people, but I'm I'm picking from a pool where there are a lot of really good players and even good players in this class too, where I, another guy that's a safety, Jacob Goode, like I'm, there's a chance that Goode's better than Hayward. We don't know. Um, but I still, I, I just think there's too much there. There's too much hype and I've done hype picks before, but I think this is another one that I can explain in the future, but no, I, I think he's a good player and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. And if he's really, if he's as good as we were thinking he is, he might play year year one, kind of at least like we saw Braden Marshall play last year um, and just get on the field. Maybe not be an every down guy, but be on the field because he's a talented player. 
Yeah. So this is where we're going to do the thing where one of us is going to look like a real idiot in a couple years. Oh um, Jalen Hayward was the only player in this draft who I marked as I'm not taking this player under any circumstances, which sounds crazy because okay. one of the highest rated players to ever commit to UCF. So let me, let me walk through my thought process. So Jalen Hayward at the time of signing day, he's the number 231 player in the country. He can kind of go safety or corner. He was sort of doing both in high school. I don't know if we have clarity yet on where UCF's planning to use him. And obviously as you covered, he flipped from Georgia. Miami was interested in him for a long time. I'm scared of him. And it's for a couple reasons. Okay. One one is DBs are just really, really, really hard to scout. There's a lot out mm -hmm. there for that. And it's actually for, this is going to sound dumb, but for it's, it's actually for a really basic reason is that coaches have talked about that when you're scouting high school film, you can't really see the DBs unless something's going wrong. Like you literally, it's just hard to actually get real film on DBs. And that means it involves in-person scouting a lot more. And it's just, it's hard. It's a tough position. It's a position that there are a lot of intangibles that it's not as clear as like a John Walker where you just stick a guy that large and that quick on the D line, you know, it'll work. So that scares me. The other thing that scares me is he's just dropped like a stone. One year ago today, he was the number 33 player in the country, which was borderline five-star. When he committed to UCF, he was number 79. He ended up at 231 on signing day. And from what I understand, it was along the lines of he basically sort of both physically and from a talent perspective, peaked kind of early. And there was a point in time where he looked a lot better than everyone around him. But then over the last year, everyone else in the class kind of caught up and he didn't really take that next leap. So I'm just, is he discernible three years from now from Jacob Guter, Christian Peterson in this class? I I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just, there's too many scary factors with him at this point. And I don't know, I could be totally wrong and I'm an idiot and he was super highly rated and had all these great offers and is amazing, but I just got scared. So I decided to back off. So here's what I'll say. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> and I told you this before we, I told you this before we got on the podcast. I was like, I, it makes sense that in these past drafts so far, you're kicking my ass in this because I, you follow it closely. Like we talked about it last week. Like I, you're like my aggregator. I get like the important stuff from you and I, I don't read all this stuff. I will say going back to his positional, like where he's going to fit in. And this also kind of scares me. Um, Andrew Ivins from 247 says he kind of could be a low safety or a slot corner. And like I said earlier, there's a UCF has some of those guys already. So I don't know if they're going to move. I don't know if they're going to move Braden Marshall to the outside or if they're going to try um, Hayward on the outside or what they're going to do. There's a lot of guys that they're bringing in. And then I'm blanking on his name. Who was the guy that they just got to commit from next year? Isn't he also a safety from Auburn? Yeah, Kendarius Reddick, right? Yeah, 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 I think so. So that's another one where I got scared. And originally going into this, I was like, Oh, I mean, at the time, like he was one of the highest rated players in the class. Like he might be my number one pick. And now I'm taking him as my number two pick because I think at one point he would have been my number one pick, but I'm more concerned than I thought I would have been landing both Walt player and him. But I still think that's a decent top two. So I, I think okay. so too. I, I, I'm setting myself up to be a moron because I am just handing you all the top players in the class, which feels really stupid, but it's fine. I don't, I don't know. I We'll see. Which, um, let's speaking of which, no idea what to do with my third pick. As you're talking, I'm scanning the list and I've run out of directions to go in. So uh, I feel I've, good about taking whoever you don't take here. So maybe things. Well, that doesn't make me. me feel even a little bit better. Let me tell you that right. <laughs> maybe now. things are looking up for me. Probably not, but okay. at least for now, I feel better than I did mm, six gonna, hours ago when I remembered I had to do this podcast today. I'm angry at myself for this pick <laughs> as I do it, but oh, I'm gonna no. take I'm gonna take Stacy Gage with my third pick. Okay. I hate how every time I draft someone, you look at me like I'm insane. I every I'm not, single pick. I'm you've just done surprised. It. And I'm only surprised based on my own rankings of how I was going to draft these players. 
Okay, so Stacy Gage, running back, number 496 overall, number 37 running back in the country. There's room for a running back to shine soon, because obviously this yeah. year you have R.J. Harvey, you inexplicably have Johnny Richardson, and you also have Miles Montgomery, and Johnny and R.J. But I'm still, like, I don't know if I buy that Johnny Richardson's going to be here after spring ball. I'm baffled he hasn't transferred, but <laughs> anyway. And Miles likes it here, I don't know. I doubt it, but, and Miles Montgomery is, um... Uh, he's a he's going in this year, I think, as a junior, redshirt junior, so he'll so, have a yeah. couple years left. I think that's pr- part of the reason he came to UCF is because he sees himself as RB1 after RJ leaves. But for the first time in a long time, that room is going to be legitimately depleted after the season. So I think there's room for guys to step up. I'm gambling on it being Stacey Gage. And part of that is I'm buying into that. he he His interest had tapered off a little bit, but he took some big visits and he had some high-level interest that included Penn State. It included Florida. He spent time at both in high school at both IMG and St. Thomas Aquinas, which are like the royalty of of high school football. And I feel like something has to come from that. The issue with him is that, A, he's also dropped dramatically, kind of like Jalen Hayward. He was like basically a five star at one point about two years ago and has tapered off since then. And apparently the issue with him in high school was just he never really quite got the production. He always had the physical traits and everything you'd want there. But but also he was part of like a there were like two other running backs on his team that were really good and I'm going to good schools. So I'm gambling that that was mm-hmm. more that. So I feel weird about this one. It's just, I know I want a running back and I know I don't want Frankie Arthur. So I'm going with Stacey Gage. Interesting. Why don't you want Frankie Arthur? Are you going to take him? Cause we can talk about know. that when you take him. <laughs> okay. I don't know yet, but okay. I, I did look at both of them. So I had Frankie Arthur ranked higher than Stacey Gage on my list, but was doing so cautiously because I feel like Frankie Arthur is maybe more of a transfer risk than Stacey Gage might be. That's, that's why. why. Okay. So that's fair. I, I think Frankie Arthur is more highly rated. Stacey Gage fell. He actually ended up as a three-star. He got knocked on signing day. I mean, he'd been a four-star the whole way through. And the thing about Frankie Arthur is it's a big deal that UCF got him. He's this random, really good running back out of Texas. And he had interest from SMU. He had interest from Houston and Baylor offered, but I don't know how involved they were. And he somehow ended up at UCF. My issue is that if he does end up, there's no way I, I feel like you win if you take him because either he never plays and you don't win, or if he does end up good, I think if a major program in Texas, like AM or Texas themselves come circling, I think he's gone. So I just, I felt yeah. weird committing to that. And I do, this is, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there if I take him, I guess. We, okay. we can talk about play, players we don't take, or if I do take him, we'll talk about him. I'm not sure what to do now. Because again, I thought you were going to take one of these two players, and I am very concerned. If I take one of them, you're going to take the other. Um, you may know it. You may notice that I'm just avoiding defensive players at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking EJ Colson. I, I'm scared of taking EJ Colson, but I'm going to take him. Okay. Um, it, we've done this before, and I took Tommy two years ago, and and now regret it because. Did you just jinx EJ Colson as a transfer? Is he gone now? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, but I mean, okay, let's, <laughs> if, if he does transfer, it's not my fault. Uh, um, but, and this is actually, that's a mistake. I shouldn't have taken him. Okay. That's a big mistake. You're locked like. in. You took him. Yeah, I'm locked in. But I feel like the fact that he reclassified to this year means he's probably a year further behind. And if we're doing a three-year bet, there's a chance that he really takes off the year after this bet expires. Oh, I did not think about that. Whatever. He's really good. He's a really good quarterback. And I think he could be in the mix to start next year once KJ Jefferson's gone. So that's really it. And I think it's one of those things like last year with the transfer draft, you taking JRP where you're like, I don't really want to take him, but he's the quarterback. And if he ends up being the quarterback, then and I want, I won that draft. Over exactly. That. You did. So in a few years, if EJ Colson's the starting quarterback and he's a two year starter as the quarterback, by the time this draft expires, then I'll feel okay. So 
I'm taking EJ Colson, even though I immediately forgot that he reclassified and may need another year to get to where he needs to be. I mean, he was never going to be the guy this year anyway, so I don't know right. how much that hurts him. Like, is he really going to be that far behind Riley Trujillo? Dylan Risk has the clearest experience advantage because he's already been here for a year, but I don't know if we're still talking about Dylan Risk like someone who can unseat either of those two. I, quarterback's scary to take just because there's always the chance that then they get there and whether he's good or not, they're like, oh, a transfer. So you, you just don't know. But yeah. I will say two years of high, his last two years of high school, 60 touchdowns to seven interceptions through the air, 60 passing touchdowns with 5,266 passing yards, 1,354 rushing yards with 16 touchdowns there as well. He played in a state championship game and had four total touchdowns. He's also oh, probably the biggest UCF fan in this class. He's nonstop on social media. He's tweeting about like softball games and stuff. Like I, he's, he's very into UCF and I don't know if that counts for anything. You could make the case that maybe that buys you a little bit of goodwill if he has to wait a little longer. And I, I think that when a kid reclassifies, I think he understands he's waiting. I don't think he's coming yeah. in thinking he's going to like, you know, be number two to KJ or anything like that. I, Cause he has to keep developing. I think there's a case to be made of w- would he have developed in a more valuable way if he'd done another year in high school or being with UCF. I don't know. I think there's cases to be made in both directions, but you don't have to keep recruiting him for a year, but yeah. I don't hate that pick for you. I, I, it's just scary. <laughs> yeah no, it is scary it's yeah it's two picks in a row now where i feel a little scared but that's what this draft is it's funny because like i come, came into this with like if i get walt claire i'll feel really good and then everybody else it's kind of a crapshoot that's how yeah. i felt about it so all right your final pick yeah your final pick you want to get dumb let's get dumb i'm gonna take riley trujillo with my uh my final pick <laughs> um, i don't know what to do with my next pick now you keep doing this you're taking guys <laughs> that i was not considering and now i have too many options i'm scared i'm gonna pick wrong i've decided in recent weeks before we were doing this podcast that i feel like ej colson reclassifying has made us just sort of stop talking about trujillo and he in his own right is one of the highest rated quarterbacks to ever commit to ucf i think the biggest difference maker for me and this is reading way too much to a small thing but ej colson is 5'11, 192 riley trujillo is 6 and yeah trujillo's offer list wasn't crazy i'm breaking my rule that i usually follow but that I don't think there's a position where that matters less than quarterback. It's hard to evaluate quarterback. And Trujillo yeah. just strikes me as a guy from what he did in high school to his size as someone who, if he pans out, can really have fun in the type of offense UCF runs. And I don't know. I just feel like I'm 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 coming off the Colson hype a little bit and saying, hey, maybe maybe this guy's worth talking about as well as we talk about the quarterback competition for 2025. And now we get to go mm. head to head with our classes. So that's great. I don't like that you did that. <laughs> um not a fan. I don't know what to do next. But no, I think it's, I mean, that's again, taking quarterbacks, as you just mentioned, either way is risky. And I honestly didn't think you'd do that because of what you just said about, oh, it's risky to take a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't have much to say about it because like, it's not like I've seen him play a ton or I think the the fact that he does have that size and I don't know if he ends up getting the job, I feel like will be maybe more durable just because of his size. I think that probably helps, but a good point. until we see any of these guys actually play, like that's the thing is like, we don't get to really see him play in spring. Do we I'm going to say well, spring ball is going to be really interesting, but we don't actually get to see anything. So it's not going to be that interesting. The only remotely interesting thing for this year is who gets named QB two. And I still have a sneaking yeah. suspicion. It's going to be risk just because he's the only one who's played any kind of college football. And maybe right. I'm wrong. And, and let me tell you right now, if it's like, that depth chart comes out and it's Riley Trujillo at QB2, then I'm like, hey, I'm feeling pretty good about this. But yeah, especially because you know EJ is not going to be here in the spring. So no, he's not. You know, you know what? That's, that's the thing. He has no shot. You know what they're going to do, though, right? It's going to be what? depth chart's going to come out. QB1, KJ Jefferson, QB2, or 
Riley Trujillo or Dylan Risk or EJ Colson or probably like RJ Harvey, and it's just going to be totally meaningless. And then, but then if someone gets hurt or something happens, we might see who's really QB2, but we may just not know. Got a weird question. Is Timmy transferred yet? Oh man, I forgot about Timmy. Uh, Timmy's probably no, the backup, Tim- right? <laughs> wow, completely forgot he exists. I've just been assuming he's transferring. Um, yeah. I would be surprised if Timmy's here next year. I literally erased him from my brain. That's yeah. T- Timmy, Timmy McLean, <laughs> like your favorite after for we QB were making, After we were making a case before they got KJ for Timmy to start, be like, well, what if they just do? What if they do roll with Timmy? I, Even though the coaches don't like him, but Timmy McLean's dad know. has tweeted some stuff pretty heavily implying he's out. And I, I, just, I would be surprised. Even if you're, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Timmy's staying for at this point. There's no path to him ever being the guy here. And, and now I don't think that, He's done. Unfortunately, his career is just at that point where I don't really think there's an FBS school that's going to take a flyer on him, maybe a low level group of five school or FCS. But I think you're at the point where you just want to play. Right. And now yeah, that there's probably. no now that there's unlimited transfers, he can just go transfer to FCS wherever and hope he puts up a billion touchdowns, then gets a gets a job somewhere else next year. So I just I would be surprised. I'm assuming after spring he's gone. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who to take with my last pick. I didn't take a single defensive player and I'm proud of that. Um, I'm choosing between two defensive players and an offensive player. You're choosing, can I guess who you're choosing between? Yes. I think you're choosing between Frankie Arthur. Yeah. Quay Birdsong. Yeah. Jacob Good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it wrong no matter who I pick. I can pick the right one and it's going to be wrong. Um, I'm going to go with Quay Birdsong. Okay. Um, I love his name. I love Walt Claire Flynn's name. So we're going to go with the all name team here. Um, I've done that in the past and it hasn't worked out. Um, but I just think because of the position he plays, he plays linebacker and UCF needs linebackers. If he can come in I mean, he's not the problem that I'm having right now is that he's not an early enrollee. Yeah. And so I don't know that he's going to just step right in and be, I mean, it doesn't have to be a starter this year, but I don't know. I think he has a high ceiling and I, it's just a room that needs linebackers and needs young linebackers. So if he can, solidify himself early enough to where it's like, all right, you're going into 2025 and he's going to be one of your starting linebackers and he plays well enough. Hopefully he doesn't follow the route of previous UCF linebackers and transfers after a good year. Yep. Um, That's what I'm a little worried about, but I think he's a good, I think he's a good enough player to where I feel comfortable taking him. I'm only hesitant now because like, if you had taken Frank, I, 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 I should have just, I had the thought of like doubling up. If I took, if I took good, I'd have Hayward and good. And I would feel, pretty decent about that and then frankie arthur i think is going to be good i just i do worry about the transfer risk there and there's a transfer risk for everyone i keep saying that like for particular guys i don't know these guys yeah. like they're everybody here is a transfer risk because Every that's where we one. are in college football now but yeah and i and i honestly am just sticking to what i made my draft board this morning and i had quay bart bird song number four so if i took the number if i took somebody that was not in my top four and just left number four unavailable or un- undrafted that would have felt a little dumb so let, let me just say that if you if, if you'd taken both jalen hayward and jacob good then the safety in this class who would have become a star would have been christian peterson like that's just the way it works so probably, probably fair okay. so yeah. um quay birdsong as you know one of my favorite players simply from the fact that he flipped from flipped from cincinnati to ucf that was cool at the time it's become more less of a novelty since three cincinnati starters came to ucf this <laughs> offseason but yeah, I mean, he's a P5 guy. He he took an OV to NC State. Obviously, Cincinnati was interested. I don't. I, it's interesting. He didn't have a ton of like super high level interest, but he also he was at the Under Armour All America game and was had a really really strong week practicing for that. So I I think that's a good pick. I think that he could. It's just it's interesting now because it's for the first time ever. I'm like, well, they have a lot in that linebacker room, so we'll see where he. And especially now that they've got like Xre Alexander, who's presumably going to be here for a few years. It's not. Wow, 
feels good to say. Hopefully we're right. That maybe it's not so. quite as much of a need as in past years, but just for yeah. the game alone, I think he's worth taking. Yeah, and he'll need he'll need a little bit of time. I guess I'm reading here that he'll need some time to get his body right. Oh, he's not he's not built like a P five or P four linebacker yet. He needs a little put a little more weight on. But Andrew Ivan's here saying that he is um he's built to play in space with a straight line speed, but he can also get home on a blitz and offer some value as a pass rusher. He strikes ball carriers in the open field, unleashing powers through his hips. I don't know. Everything I've read and seen about this guy, I really like. Um, and I'm hoping, I don't know. I think part of this is just in my heart. I really just hope that they have a, like a young linebacker that we can latch onto and be like, all right, this is one of our starting linebackers for the next few years. And he pans out. I still don't really know how to say his first name, X-Ray or X-Ray Alexander. X-ray, pans I think out, so. And we just don't talk about linebacker for five years. Well, not five because they don't play that long, but for two years, yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. I'm sick um, of it, man. This podcast is three years old and we've spent the entire podcast talking about how thin the linebacker room is. I mean, seriously, that that was like one of our early topics and we're still here somehow. So the thing I'm realizing here about this, and I'm, it's a bad time for me to realize this considering we just completed the draft, but the fact that this is a three-year thing, I really should have gone for more first-year production because I'm talking about all these guys where it's like, yeah, so they really have not this year, but the next two years to hopefully do something. And I guess that's the gamble you run. Yep. But whatever. so we have one more thing to decide. What? What's oh, the what bet we're doing for this what the year. bet is? What is the restaurant? Steak dinner is the 2022 class. Aussie Grill is the 2023 after you expressed concern to me about having multiple steak dinners on the line. Because well, here I told you why earlier. I was like, I, I, we do this podcast for fun and I don't like the idea of it costing me hundreds of dollars in steak dinners after I lose all of the transfer bets forever. If you ever, so. if you ever see ads start appearing on the Pegasus podcast, it will be because Bailey yet again lost. I need to, <laughs> need to finance. I need to finance the steak dinner. I owe you. So um, yeah, help me out. Anyone to hit me on Venmo. That'd be great. Um, what do we want to do? I don't know. We should have figured this out before we got the podcast. Something substantial. Like I, I like Chick-fil-A we do for the transfer drafts because it's once a year. So it needs to be something in like Aussie grill territory. I feel like Aussie grill's not that substantial though. No, it's really not. I was actually bummed. We picked that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember why. I mean, I, I don't only remember picking that because I feel like we had gone there recently together and it was like, oh, that was good. We, we went to that, that phase where when you were coming to Orlando two or three times in a row, we went there. Um, I think it was twice. Yeah. Yeah, twice. And it was very tasty. And I was just in an Aussie grill mode back then. So if you don't know what Aussie grill is, it's Outback, but fast. Like it's literally just yeah. an Outback that you just walk in and say, I'd like this, please. And they hand it to you. It's very cool. What should we do? I don't know. How about the, how about the loser has to buy the winner $120 worth of Buc- uh, Bucky's merch. You're not going to want that. <laughs> if I win, you're not going to, or if no, you I'm win, not. you're not going to want $120. You're just going to give it all to me. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we should do. Um, As you hold your Bucky's merch. That was a reference, by the way, to the ba- that <laughs> Bailey went to freaking Bucky's on his way back from the senior bowl. How much money did you spend? I want you to say it on the podcast. I think it was $112. I'm just like crap from Bucky. Not I, not the most not the most money in my group. Um, but no, it wasn't just on crap. A lot of it was gifts. Actually, most of it was gifts. I got. So let me tell you something else because I re- I re-listened to our this episode from last year because I need to figure out the Aussie Grill thing. And you had just gotten back from the Senior Bowl and you'd gone to Bucky's for the first time. And I was making fun of yeah. you for buying a baseball from Bucky's. And you said on the podcast, yeah. I only bought something because it was the first time I was there. I'm not going to keep buying more things from Bucky's. Now look well, at you. That's not even close to true anymore. That's the thing. But so no, you, I got, did. I you bought... bought people gifts from Bucky's, and I did not get one. Yeah, you don't like Bucky's. <laughs> you're, you're a Bucky's hater, so I didn't. I didn't get you anything. Um, no, honestly, it was mostly like I got. 
we're big into Bucky's merch now, my girlfriend and I, because so that's the thing is I got in a relationship last year and she loves Bucky's. And so she always likes to get the holiday Bucky shirts. So it was Valentine's Day coming up. So I was like, all right, let me get the Valentine's Day Bucky shirts. And then I got her Valentine's Day Bucky's blanket. Uh, we, I got some other stuff. And then I got my mom. They're like pecans. The the pecans are really good. Got my dad some barbecue sauce that he liked the last time. I got my dog treats that were like $10. <laughs> um, so yeah, like a lot. Of, yeah, it was like, it was a box of like the ones that are like, I don't know how you describe it. They're not painted, right? But they're like, they're like uh, the nice looking ones. Like the ones that are like the fancy treats. Yeah, the fancy treats. And it was a little box of them that were like all like uh, Valentine's Day themed. And they were like $9, nine ninety nine or something like that. So, yeah, no, it just added up quickly, but I don't regret it. I have so. our restaurant. What? Longhorn. Okay, why? Steak. That was random. But it's not like expensive steak. It's just bad okay. steak. Okay. Just bad steak. Which is funny if like we're going to go there and I'm not going to get a steak or something like that. I'm just going to get something like... Well, I'm the one who's owned this. I like how I've already decided that like you're paying me for when we go there, but yeah, that works. Sure. Uh, I think you might have won this draft, man. We can do the horns down. That'd be fun. We can. Fun little... They have a shrimp appetizer that I really like. Like four years from now, we're not talking about Texas in years and <laughs> UCF's horns down thing of Texas, but we can still do it. UCF is coming um, off their 12 team playoff Peach Bowl win over Texas, and it's very relevant. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, okay, yeah, we can do we can do Longhorn. Is there one around you? Yes, there is. Okay. I, I live know. in a major city. That's fair. All right, cool. All right, so we have that. Can I give you um, some power for breaking news really quickly? Yeah. The Pac-12 has fired George Kleoff. <laughs> what? Who, who made that decision? The uh, Washington State and Oregon State. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> That's hilarious that because normally like, in, the, in the past, it would have been like all the teams getting together and being like, all right, we got to get this guy out of here. Like just the idea of like the presidents or the ADs or whoever, like one called the other and was like, should we just get this guy should out of here? Should we just get like, rid of him? Like, <laughs> just Yeah, we'll just fire him. And then, yeah. I want to know how that conversation went. That's hilarious. It, they, um, they, I, I think that this has probably been in the works for a while. He hasn't really been doing anything. I, it's been more for appearances. I mean, because What does he have ha- to do? They've been having all these playoff meetings and the Pac-12 technically has to have a representative. So he's just been sitting in the rooms and quietly listening. I think it was just more procedural. Last last thing on the transfer draft, and I meant to bring this up if I had taken Frankie Arthur. This moment, this almost, and this is stupid that this almost made me take him, but I was reading his evaluation on 247 and I saw the words NFL draft candidacy. In the in it, and I was like, if he's a future NFL player, but like I feel like if he's a future NFL player, he'll transfer out like in a year. And his location, the whole location situation, bugs me, man. Because and it's like I said in his original recruitment, the big Texas schools never got involved. Texas never got involved. Texas A never got involved. If he's really good and one of them comes calling, I just I have a hard time seeing him. Which now that we've said all this, he's going to literally go down as like one of the best UCF players. Yeah, it says projects as a bona fide high major talent with on-field context and athletic profile that could lead to NFL draft candidacy. Neither of us took them. uh, Okay, but my thing is, if that's the case, then where were all the blue bloods? Yeah, no, it's fair. He's he's rated a four-star by 247. No blue blood showed interest. If I'm not mistaken, he is at UCF because of a relationship with the Cam Martin? Yeah. So that's another thing. It's like if, if... I hope they never lose Cam Which, Martin. Let but... me tell you right now, I, I would put any amount of money on Cam Martin not being here in three years. Cam, Mar- Cam Martin is the running backs coach for UCF. He's so young and such an I'll insane cry. recruiter already. I just, I don't, this stat, there, there are members of the staff that they can't afford to lose that they're just going to end up losing in the coming years because they're just too freaking good at their jobs. Yeah, I'll cry. 
Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe Gus retires and Cam Martin's like I'm the new head coach. Cam Martin, he just like declares nine or something. <laughs> I don't care if he's he's that good. He's that good. I don't know. All right. Anything else before we get into the football news? There's literally one thing for me to read. Uh um, no, I think we're good. Cool. All right. Uh, one piece of football news this week: Javon Baker and Tylen Grable received invites to the NFL Scouting Combine. Um, so that'll be cool for them and be cool for me if I can go find them and, and locate them on their, their little podiums that they do the, the media days. So um, I'm feeling really good about Javon Baker's draft prospects. I'm curious, like I haven't seen as much hype around Tyler Grable since like a few months ago and he didn't get like the big um, all-star game offers that I thought he might have, but yeah. he could be a guy that ends up rising late. Who knows? So you obviously are much more in the NFL world than I am. It- Tylen Grable, when you get a combine invite, is the assumption that that means you're probably going to get drafted, or are there are a lot of combine guys who don't get drafted. I mean, you would think because, like, I don't think they don't just give out combine invites to everyone. It, yeah, like, it's a big deal to get that. Yeah, so, which is why I'm more confused that he got a combine invite, and I think he played in. Did he play in the um the Hula Bowl? And that's it. I don't remember. There was, there was one that I think there was maybe one that he played yeah. in, but yeah, no, it, it is weird. And I feel like I remember like almost a month ago, or like several weeks ago talking about how he had gotten so i think he had announced that he got a, a combine invite like a while ago it was early it was um, early it was like right after yeah. the season ended so clearly right. there's some projectability there where scouts believe that he can take that next step i'm very that's surprised. probably what it is that's well, probably projectability yeah. it's the projectability thing of like his size and just his his frame is probably where right. that comes into play i'm very surprised Tremon got snubbed yeah i we talked about this on the podcast too. I was surprised that he wasn't again like somebody who was at these major All Star games. Like yeah. wasn't even at the Shrine Bowl, wasn't at the Senior Bowl, that kind of stuff. Because I thought last year he was a guy that could have gotten drafted. It felt like and that's what I'm saying. I feel and... like last year he would have gotten a combine invite. That's why I'm surprised and, it didn't happen this year because he had a good season it's, too. It's not especially like he weird disappointed because this isn't that great of a, a class for edge rushers. Like it's just mm-hmm. not that great of a draft class. So I don't know why he's like just in the background of all of that, but I Very don't know, weird. maybe there'll be some sort of surprise. And that's not to say he won't get drafted. He could, he, right. I, I think the odds of him being any kind of high round pick are done. I would assume. Yeah. Based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, probably. Um, all right. Game of the week. UCF softball's back. They went four and one over the weekend. Um, they have a big uh, tournament this weekend in Clearwater. I'll be there on Friday and Sunday. Um, the game of the week that I'm picking here is against number 20 UCLA. I think it was like number eight or they were top 10 team. I'm pretty sure they started out two and three last weekend, but still a ranked matchup on Sunday. This is to close the weekend at six o'clock and it'll be on ESPN. The one nationally televised game for UCF this weekend. And it's a, and it's a big, it's a big tournament that has a lot of the hot, the big brands in it. They'll have games against number 18, Kentucky and Northwestern who's receiving votes. They also play Wisconsin. Um, who else do they play? They've got, yeah. Okay. That's it. North Carolina. They play on Friday at two o'clock. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to being out there. I think it's been like three years now where I like the first two years I forgot to get tickets and then they sold out in like 10 minutes. So I don't know. I've heard things about this being a very small complex and like being a crazy thing where it's like not a lot of seating. So I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going out there Friday and then can you bring a reclining I, chair. Like, can you bring a fold up chair? Um, there's certain rules. I think there's, I don't think you can. Okay. I don't, so I don't, I really don't know what it's going to look like. Like I have an all day ticket for Friday and then for Sunday I have two tickets that are just just for the UCF UCLA game, which I'm hoping I can get seats. Like I'm supposedly I should be able to, but I just would never. And this is my laziness. I just would never commit to something where I'm not sure I can sit. I think I'd just be out. (laughs) 
like immediately. Uh, that's the thing. And we'll see. That's that's what I'm like concerned about is I don't even say concerned about it. I just we'll see when I get there on Friday, like what it's like. If I can if I can walk around, like I'm fine walking around and standing at, and watching these different games, like we'll just see how long I last and how long I stay there because right. if it's really uncomfortable and I just can't get a good view anywhere, then and it's just like what's the point of being here? It'll be a waste of money, but whatever. I mean at that point I've already paid. So um yeah, with all that, let's go tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week this week is not so much a tweet as comments given on the record to Ross Dellinger. And tweet of the week is going to someone we really we really like, and that is Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner. Um, Ross Dellinger, you've probably heard of him if you're listening to this podcast, released this just this Bible of information today on all the changes happening in college athletics. That was a huge, huge, huge update. Like I, I sent Bailey cliff notes on it. I think the cliff notes were like one of the longer texts I've sent you in a while. There was just a yeah. lot going on. And as part of it, there was discussion, which this is like one of those things that's been rumored off and on for years, but the article implied it's very close to happening is changes to the NCAA tournament, the men's basketball NCAA tournament, one of the most popular sporting events in the country for good reason, because it's fantastic. And one of the people really pushing these changes is Brett Yormark. And the changes he's pushing is he wants basically to cut out a lot of these smaller conferences who get those automatic bids. And he wants to push for uh, the type of NCAA tournament that's bigger and also emphasizes the power conferences. Basically, he wants more Big 12 teams in the tournament. His quote was, I want to see the best teams competing for a national championship. No different than the Big 10 and SEC want to see in football. I'm not sure that is currently happening. First off, it's a 68 team field. All of the top 25 makes it. Any team that even sort of has a roster that can win the national championship makes it. To say you're not sure the best teams are in the tournament is laughable and honestly kind of pathetic. Second, given that the Big Ten and SEC are doing this whole kind of like, hmm, do we like need all the other conferences for football or do we just need us because we're awesome? Do you want to be the commissioner of the Big 12 going on the record and saying, yeah, I agree with what that, yeah, I agree with that statement. Like, get out of here if you're not a big brand. And on top of it all, this is happening. It, um, the hope at this point is that when the tournament changes, they're just going to expand the field and not take away AQs. But Yormark has made clear he'd like to take away AQs for those smaller leagues. March Madness is so great because of the access. At the start exactly. of the season, there are a gazillion college basketball teams. There's like 350 of them. Every single one of them knows at the start of the season, if we can win our conference, we can go to the NCAA tournament. And those that access and how everyone has a shot and then those Cinderella's that win a game or two, it, it's that's what makes that great. And I'm I'm really disappointed and, and I'm just kind of getting sick of, and it's a larger thing in college athletics where yes, it obviously benefits the big 12 if they decided tomorrow that the NCAA tournament is just the power teams because it, like you cut out a bunch of AQs because then yeah, everyone go, everyone go to the tournament. UCF will be in the tournament this year. And I'm just really sick of good things getting ruined because no one cares about anything except themselves. I, I, it's just, yeah. no one wants the NCAA tournament to change. There's no fans out there who are like, we hate this. It needs to change. It needs to evolve. It's, this is just a money play. And it's just, can any conference commissioner on God's green earth just once do something because it's actually the right thing for the sport and not because it benefits your own little stupid corner of it. It's all they do. They just tear college yeah. athletics apart, just picking at the little pieces they want. And that's how everything's getting ruined. I, it, no, I hate it. So disappointing. And I, and I think just so tone deaf for Yormark, given what's happening in football right now and what might happen to his conference in the coming years that the Big Ten and SEC break away, to try to set that precedent of, yeah, why don't we just, if they're not a big brand or if they're not making money, why why should we even have to include them? It's it's really sickening. And I was so disappointed to see that. What's stunning is like he had to have realized that, right? Like there's no way he doesn't he doesn't see how if this happens and he gets his wish in basketball, if they turn around and do that in football at the Big Ten and the SEC where he's like, well, no, 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 you can't do that. Well, you just did it in basketball. Like you were a big proponent of doing it in basketball. So like 
there's, he has to see that, right? Like, His exact believe. quotes. This is a Brett Yormark quote. I want to see the best teams competing for a national championship. No different than the Big Ten and SEC want to see in football. What are we doing? Why are you setting that precedent? I, I just, oh, it's man. really, and like I said, I, I know that some people are going to listen and say, well, he's doing what's best for the Big 12. It, it, it's how college athletics fell apart and got to this messed up state is because everyone was 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 just doing what was best for them. No one ever compromised a single thing of saying something, for example, like, hey, March Madness isn't broken. It gets a ton of television viewers. It gets a ton of people to the arenas. Everyone in the country loves it and no one has complaints. Let's break it. Like, it, it just yeah. don't do that. I just, it's really, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the bracket from last year, and it's like just the things that you kind of forget, like maybe year over year, like 13 seed Furman beating number four seed Virginia, you know, 15 seed Princeton beating number two Arizona in the first round, Fairly Dickinson beating number one seed Purdue, having two 16s beat ones in in the last few years, like that kind of stuff is going to lose all of its meaning if you're like if that's a 16 seed, I don't know, I don't want to say UCF because it would mean something to me, but like <laughs> if it's a 16 seed Cincinnati or if it's a 16 seed whoever that's a, a you know one of your regular like some of these schools like you've never heard of in your life until march madness and they get a big win like was it lehigh beating duke like several years ago as a kid and but it like, changes those schools it yeah. changes those programs and not, not just the programs but the actual schools themselves loyola just, chicago or whatever it, yeah yeah with like it's it's a big thing and and i don't know if it's the, quite the same because i think they probably would have gotten in regardless but fau last year i mean fau yeah. had a final four run last year now they are good again this year. It's like they're actually becoming like a basketball, not a basketball brand. I don't want to go that far, but like they're they they're building off of that. Like that's the thing that's huge about March Madness, and it's what makes March Madness great. Is these teams where maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't, but they're coming out there and they're beating these teams that you have heard of. So it's like to eliminate all of that. It's the same thing that I don't know. If, we might have referenced on this podcast years ago when the in Europe when they were talking about doing the Super League for for European yep. football, like you're really only doing this to make money and yeah like you can say that's my job is to make money but at some point you're damaging the sport and i that's the the problem is they're doing this because they can because they know even if this goes through people will still watch so there's nothing for them to lose they don't care that they're hurting all the smaller schools and it's going to take it's going to take people stop watching March Madness for them if, if they do this for them to be like, wait, maybe this was a mistake. But people. But that's what sucks this. is people aren't going to, st- and that's the same reason that the Big Ten. And I mean, I can't even say that I would. Like I'd no, still watch the, it. The, and because at the end of the day, it's just it, you will because and and Yormark had another really alarming quote in there when talking about the tournament changes where he said that you know college athletics is becoming more of a straight up business and it's time for them to act like it. I'm paraphrasing. That's more essentially what he said, and it's like. That's what sucks because you're right. If you cut out all the underdogs and whatever, and you just have a tournament where you're going to lose people like me, you're going to lose people like Bailey who are like diehards who really care about the sport. And you're going to gain people who don't watch college basketball, but are casual sports fans and see a first round game. And they're like, oh, Duke and Virginia or something or Duke and whoever. And and they'll watch it more than they would have if it was a team they haven't heard of. And I will tell you right now as a UCF fan, I'm fully comfortable saying that if like, 25 and five, like McNeese state being who has an AQ, if they win their conference being left out it for the sake of like 14 and 16 UCF is stupid. That's so it dumb. Makes no sense. And, and, and I just, I hate that we're moving towards that. And I hate even more that UCF, UCF's conference commissioner, who I like a lot is not only in favor of it, but spearheading the death of a really great event. One of the best sporting events in the world. Yeah, no, it's, it's bizarre. And I don't understand it. So I, I don't know. I'd say hopefully it doesn't happen, but I don't know if that's even worth saying because I feel like Oh, no, the article made clear, like, this isn't one of those things where it's like, 
it's not like the college football playoff where it's still up in the air what's going to happen next and we hope a breakaway doesn't happen it's like hey they're doing this it's just the question of what form it's going to take the best case scenario like i said is that it sounds like what they may land on is just really expanding the ncaa tournament and letting more teams in as a and instead of like getting rid of aqs you're just adding more at larges which is still dumb because then you're it's just still degrading <laughs> what it means at that point too but whatever yeah there's 68 teams that make it and you i'll say i will teams. say it's still dumb but i would enjoy that more because it means more march madness so it's like that i'm fine with because like but you're I'll degrading the college games. basketball regular season like if we get to oh, the point that I, it's just like by fielding yeah. a team in a power six conference you're automatically making the tournament like what are we even playing the games for at that point like should we just no, hang out and then we'll play the tournament it's a good point it's a good point but then like so that, that's what the thing is like those teams they're out in the first round and then you get to like the real tournament i'm just i would rather yeah but you know who they're than... gonna put in that first round they're gonna put the aqs they'll make them play yeah. each other or something and then they're all gone like they don't even have the chance at upsets anymore it's like that first round will just be all the aqs playing each other or some crap like that yeah that's true yeah Ugh, okay i don't know I, whatever <laughs> I don't know. There's that. We're not that's only a down, we switched away a down from way to end this podcast. We switched away from football to talk about not only college basketball, but not UCF college basketball. I think everyone just left as soon as that conversation started. But I, oh, I had whatever. to say it. I was so frustrated. No, it's worth saying. And uh, UCF men's basketball plays tonight against BYU. There's your bonus game of the week. Well, it's it will have already happened by the time you listen to this. Except for those yep. of you who like listen as soon as the podcast is posted. Like that's dedication, and I'm it concerned is. for you. It is. It's always um, a little alarming when I post it, and it's been up for like. I don't know. I'd say it was up for 10 minutes and it was like, it was yeah. like something like 40 something less. I'm like, that's too many yeah. for this. <laughs> I, I mean, like I appreciate it guys, but sometimes we're waiting, gets... waiting for it to drop. I appreciate it. I don't also. like having that kind of impact. I prefer to not, but still it's cool. And we, and, and we appreciate you all listening a ton, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so thank you guys. Um, we will be back next week with episode 193. Until then you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams, 22 at by CA Simmons at night sports now and at Pegasus podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.